Hey Coconuts, today in TSC Stock Gatecard, we are finally entering a different realm, okay? No more software company, no more computer chips, no more payment companies. We are finally entering the realm of pharmaceuticals, okay? I'm a big believer that this space is very hard for retail investors to understand. So, we're going along the borders today to talk about a company that runs DNA sequencing. So, they are classic razor and blade business where they sell the machines at an affordable price, but they milk a lot of consistent cash flow from the substance used to do DNA sequencing. And, and this company has brought DNA sequencing from $15,000 per genome all the way to sub $1,000 per genome. So when a technology goes from this price to this price, you can really question what are the use cases and what are the potential use cases at a different price point altogether. So joining me today to geek out on this DNA sequencing company, Illumnia is searching from The Good Investor and CompounderFund.com. Illumnia is a company that's pushing prices of DNA sequencing to sub $100. That's their goal, okay? $100 per genome. So that will massively open up the kind of potential use case. Just remember the days when 3D printers were like this super expensive shit, but now everybody has a 3D printer at home. <laughs> so the kind of use cases and the kind of possibilities when technology comes down to this price is amazing, right? So I think we are only that far away from tailored medicine based on our unique DNA sequence. For your reference sake, this episode was recorded on the 19th of October, 2021. Our discussion today is solely for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not serve as any form of advice or recommendations. Thank you for loving what we do and empowering us financially to do more for you. Join our community telegram group to keep the discussion going. Let's geek out. Okay, we are back today again. Uh, we're sitting in the house. How have you been, man? Uh, been good. How about you? Uh, yeah, been been chugging along. <laughs> I don't know if I can say I'm good. <laughs> you know, like uh, all these open, close, open, close situations. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, today we're back with another company. Um, and for the first time, it's one of those companies that I've not looked before, not studied it. It's not in my purview at all. Sure. You know, so yeah, you got to work with me on this. Yeah, we'll have a lot of questions. Uh, so as a student here, uh, could you kind of walk us through what, what are we talking about today? Yeah, sure. So I think the company we're going to be talking about today would be Illumina, which is listed in the USA. So at a very high level, it's a company that manufactures machines that analyzes DNA. That's very high level. <laughs> <laughs> would you consider them within the space of pharma or would you just say that they are precision engineering companies? Like as an angle of looking at this company, how should we look at it? So I would say that the machines that Illumina produces helps to support a lot of the work that pharma companies are doing and not just pharma companies but biotech companies as well. But the machines, I think, uh, require some form of precision engineering to manufacture. So I think, uh, yeah, from the manufacturing perspective, uh, Illumina can perhaps be seen as some form of precision engineering company. But when it comes to the customers that are using Illumina's products, then a lot of them would actually be like the pharma companies as well as the biotech companies. So, so is that saying that most of the clients of this company are essentially big pharma and uh, like B2B kind of situation? Like they don't have end user product? Uh, they do have end-user products, but Illumina actually serves way more than just uh, pharma companies as well as biotech ones. So for example, the company's machines are used in areas such as reproductive health, oncology, 
population sequencing, um, studying of diseases, and in fact, there's even consumer genomics. You know, companies like 23andMe, where an individual or consumer would send a sample of like their saliva or something to the company, and they would analyze the person's DNA and send a report back. So a lot of these uh, consumer genomic companies actually utilize Illumina's machines to sequence or analyze the consumer's DNA. So there's a wide range of use cases uh, that Illumina's machines are actually used in. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a movement, right? Everybody's giving out their DNA samples. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm like, what's going on? But yeah, the world has changed. I think what's interesting is that COVID-19 has, I think, helped to shine a little bit more light onto this whole world of uh, DNA sequencing, especially with the introduction of uh, mRNA vaccines. So, for example, when the first DNA sequence that was being produced on the coronavirus was actually sequenced using Illumina's machines. So the company had a big role to play, I think, in helping the world to better understand the coronavirus when it first appeared. So what is the process like to do something like that? What does a machine do? Okay, so to study DNA, you need things like reagents, which are basically chemical compounds that you have to mix tissue sample or the liquid sample or whatever uh, sample that you have that contains the DNA. You have to mix that with some reagents. And then that goes on to flow cells, which are basically very high-tech glass plates that have a whole bunch of technology inside them that help you to, I think, analyze and sort out the DNA. And so all of these goes into the machines and then the machines actually process those and gives you results, which is the DNA they are trying to look at. So is this another one of the ASML situation where the company is in its own class of its own doing something that's super complicated that other people cannot do or are there other people in this space? What has happened is that uh, Illumina controls roughly about 70 to 80% of the global market share for DNA analysis machines. So in a way, it's almost like an effective monopoly. There are competitors, but they are of a much smaller scale as compared to what Illumina is doing. So in a way, you can say that it is in a very similar situation as ASML. So why, why did you even begin looking at something like that? Like, it's, it's so far-fetched from my head. Like, like I would never think of it. Yes. Yeah, sure. So I think what's really interesting about Illumina, from my perspective as an investor, there are really two key things that I'm really fascinated with. So the first is that the company has been at the forefront of this global effort to bring down DNA sequencing costs. So I think in 1990, in fact, yes, the US government launched a project called the Human Genome Project, which is a project to study the entire DNA sequence of a human being. And they earmarked about $3 billion and 15 years to complete the project. So what happened was the project was completed two years in advance, so it took 13 years and cost $2.7 billion. Now today, to study a person's DNA, you can be as fast as a few days and can be as cheap as uh, less than a thousand US dollars. So you can see that there's this massive decline in cost as well as massive decline in time needed to analyze a person's DNA. And Illumina has actually been at the forefront of this. So there's this really interesting chart that I've seen that shows the decline in the cost per human genome. And if you are able to see this chart, you'll be able to notice that from 2007, the decline in the cost has actually gone down significantly faster than what Moore's Law would have predicted. Right? So in the case for our purposes, Moore's Law can be interpreted as an improvement in sequencing costs by a factor of two every two years. Right? And what has happened is that since 2007, the decline in cost has happened much faster than Moore's Law. And it's interesting in that Illumina introduced its first sequencing system in 2007. 
So it's the massive decline in sequencing costs actually coincided with Illumina's introduction of its own DNA sequencing machine. So what has happened is that since the introduction of Illumina's first sequencing machine, the company has helped to reduce the cost of sequencing by more than a factor of 10,000 and has also helped to reduce the time needed for sequencing by a factor of more than 12,000. So uh, it has been at the forefront of really improving the technologies that the world is using to analyze uh, DNA. And I find that fascinating because when it's cheaper and faster to analyze DNA, I think that really helps to open up more and more use cases for DNA analysis. So perhaps maybe five years later, we'll be able to have markets that today we cannot even imagine of. Right? And those markets could potentially happen because DNA sequencing is now so much cheaper and so much faster compared to, say, a decade ago or more. So that's one area that I find fascinating. This is a company that is constantly trying to lower prices of DNA sequencing so that you know, more and more people can utilize the technology and perhaps come up with something cool. So that's one aspect that I really like. Wait, before we continue, I think I definitely agree with the whole part of like when technology becomes cheaper, that opens up all the use cases, right? It's like how mm-hmm. like your phones now, you have a walking mm-hmm. camera, right? In the past, camera is so expensive. Now it's like all sorts of things are opening up just because like with your phone and all that jazz, right? we're doing this remotely at our place and, and what have you, right? So all these stems from some technology become a lot more cheaper and a lot more broadly adopted, right? So from a consumer standpoint, I think a lot of consumers can understand this, you know, but for a lot of people listening, retail investors, you tell them about DNA and all that, right? Then they'll be like, you know, where are we in this? <laughs> so maybe before we dive deeper, you, you could kind of paint us a little bit of a picture. Like, where do you see this? Like, okay, like DNA sequencing is getting cheaper and cheaper. That means we can do this in a faster, easier fashion. So in the past, what was it used for? And where is it now? Where are we going forward with this whole DNA sequencing? Sure. So I think if I were to bring this back to an area where I think most people can understand, I think we can talk about, say, cancer research, right? Or even cancer treatment. So cancer happens when our DNA gets mutated, right? And we need to study that mutation to be able to help us perhaps find better cures or even to prevent cancer from developing. So you first need to understand these mutations, how they are happening. Uh, You need to understand them broadly and you also need to understand them individually, say when they happen in a person what genes or what part of the DNA of an individual has mutated such that it has caused cancer, right? And I think that this is a really important area when it comes to the application of DNA analysis. You want to study, say, a disease like cancer. And because DNA analysis has become cheaper and cheaper over time, it makes it easier and easier to study and to do research on cancer. So I think that's a really good way for people to understand, I think, the potential. And cancer is just one portion of human health that can be improved with DNA analysis. More broadly speaking, we can also talk about the area of precision medicine. So how can precision medicine work? You first need to understand an individual's uh, entire DNA makeup, right? Before you can prescribe medicines or think about how you can better help improve this person's health. So can you imagine if, say, DNA analysis was super expensive, like cost billions of dollars and it would take a decade or more to, to conduct? You know, precision medicine will be impossible because by the time, let's say somebody is sick and you go out to the doctor and say, hey, can you do some precision medicine for me? And he's like, oh, you know, I can get the results for you after 15 years. <laughs> by the time, it'll be too late, right? But now, if you know, I can get the result within a day or less and at a cost of a few hundred dollars, then the whole idea of, you know, precision medicine becomes a lot more attractive and a lot more feasible. 
So I think one easy way for people to understand the potential would be really to look at the applications within healthcare itself. So precision medicine and research on cancer and all other kinds of diseases. So for example, Alzheimer's, uh, which some scientists think is actually a genetic disease, that can perhaps you know, be improved or even eradicated via analysis of DNA. When you understand DNA more, you are able to understand mutations in genes, you are able to understand how genes develop, how they are expressed in the human body and so on. And that can also you know, help to improve human health. So I think that's one really big application for DNA analysis. Yes, this is the end of Darwinism. <laughs> we are in the early days of the end of Darwinism. I mean, there's a lot of talk about this, right? but I think that's very fair, right? When it gets so cheap that you can be so precise, because I think even today, a lot of modern medicine is still very generic, very mm-hmm. broad based. You know, it's a take big sample size, and as long as it's not serious anomalies, then okay, we can go with it. You know, um, but yeah, and I want to specifically point out that cancer is a word that we use so often, but it's actually super, super complicated, it is. and all sorts of permutation in it, right? Even the same like lung cancer what cancer is like a lot of different things are involved right? Right. so there, there's a reason why to date after so much research in cancer we have not really broke through in eradicating it because there's just so many little little things that absolutely absolutely so that is the future that you want to paint for us right so so then as a business uh, trying to understand this company uh, what is their mm-hmm. kind of growth trajectory then like the opportunity going forward and all that. Yeah, so before I talk about that, I think the earlier topic was about like what got me interested in Illumina, right? Yes. So I, I said two things. First is like the potential for new markets to appear because DNA analysis is now so much faster and so much cheaper. Now, the second thing that I'm attracted with is actually the business model of Illumina. So I mentioned that it sells machines, right? These DNA analysis machines, but the majority of Illumina's revenue actually comes from the sale of consumables. So this is a company that I think has a classic razor and blades business model. So under the razor and blades business model, a company would sell a razor for a certain price and would actually earn most of its revenue from the sale of the razor blades that have to be replaced over time. So that irritating <laughs> as a consumer. It's like, yeah. why are the blades always so expensive? <laughs> why do they have to be replaced all the time, right? Yeah. So um, in Illumina's case, it also has this classic razor and blades model. So these consumables would be the reagents and the high-tech glass plates, those microarrays that I mentioned earlier, right? These are the consumables that make up the majority of Illumina's business. So today, about 70% of Illumina's revenue actually comes from the sale of consumables and about 15% or so comes from the sale of the machines. And then the other 15% will actually come from the services that Illumina provides. So for example, Illumina sometimes runs DNA analysis services itself. So for example, like fetal DNA testing, that's another DNA analysis service that Illumina provides. So that's 15% of the company. And then 15% will be selling the machines and about 70% would come from the sale of consumables. So I like businesses that have these high levels of recurring revenues. Each time you want to analyze DNA, you need to purchase these consumables. Right, they need to be replaced all the time. Now, so uh, when you talk about the growth trajectory, I, I kind of covered that earlier, which is that when the cost of sequencing and the time needed for sequencing decreases significantly, then it makes it so much easier for people to want to start running as many DNA tests as possible to see what kind of data they can collect and what kind of data they can use to help solve whatever problems that they're working on. You know, another use case would be, say, improving agriculture, say the lifespan of crops or to improve the ability for certain crops to withstand diseases or to withstand dry weather and so on. Right, so that's another example of like the potential that DNA analysis holds. Yeah, so I think that is what I think about when I think about the growth trajectory of Illumina. 
I would say that there is a huge element of a leap of faith there, you know, where you have to believe that all these new use cases that you cannot really think of would happen. But I think over the past one to two years, I think we've seen something like that happen. So for example, Illumina's machines are now used widely in terms of disease surveillance. Right, so there's a lot of talk nowadays because of COVID. There's a lot of talk that you know you need to conduct some form of population surveillance of like the types of diseases that are popping up around the world or in in one particular country. So this is where again DNA analysis can really help. You know, it can help to conduct surveillance on like the types of diseases that people are suffering from. You know, perhaps help to improve global responses to future pandemics and so on. But I think it wouldn't have happened. If DNA analysis wasn't as cheaply and widely available as it is today, I think in certain ways we are fortunate that COVID happened today and not say 20 years ago. Yes, yes, for sure. And I totally, yeah, I think for a lot of people that are listening that you don't know is virus sequencing has been going on for a long, long time, for the past 10 years at least. You know, the Wuhan lab is actually one of the leaders yep. in virus sequencing, right? That's why there's all these like negative talk about it. I don't exactly know, I don't have a position on that, but they have been spending a lot of time and effort, you know, sequencing all these viruses with the bats and all that. And, and all these is uh, very much as a result of it being cheaper and all the additional application, right? So that's the that's the good part. Yeah, I'll definitely be interested in a company that does not have big ticket sales and don't have recurring right so this is one of those interesting companies that unlike other precision manufacturing <laughs> unlike other precision machine companies a lot of them do sell very big tickets and most of their revenue is in those big tickets right? so it's rare to have a company that has so much in a recurring situation right so do they have the IP around the whole thing the the glass the essentially the, the reagent liquid everything is within the IP structure right uh, yes I believe that the company is also protected a lot by the patent but at the same time, I think their company also operates with a lot of um, what they call trade secrets. So I think it's a combination of both. Uh, but there's definitely a strong protection of the business from the ownership of patents. I, I love how they use trade secrets to cover everything that they cannot tell you. Oh, this is a trade secret. I cannot tell you. But it works. It works. Just use it. <laughs> So yeah, um, come walk us through a little bit on their financials, like how are they doing? It sounds like interesting, but w which state of business are they in? Yeah, so this is a company that has been growing quite rapidly. So for example, just some numbers, uh, in 2006, the company had about $180 million in revenue. Today, Illumina's revenue is about $4 billion. So a 20x increase wow. over the past 14 or 15 years. Big growth there. Over the past, uh, say, five or six years, revenue has compounded somewhere in the low to mid-teens range on an annual basis. right? And the company has also been one that has been consistently generating profits, consistently generating cash flow. So for some perspective, uh, the company's free cash flow margin has been about in the mid-teens to low 20s range over the past few years. So this is a company that is you know, generating um, substantial free cash flow that it can then use to grow the business and reinvest and so on. And in terms of the balance sheet, uh, this is also a company with a very clean uh, balance sheet. I think it has today about $4 billion or so in cash and about $1.7 billion in debt. So very strong net cash position. These are like the ty types of things that I like to look out for in my company. So I like to look out for consistent growth in revenue, um, profits, as well as free cash flow. And that's something that Illumina has done. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, that high level of recurring revenue. So if you know, if we track Illumina's consumables uh, revenue growth in 2006, it was about 50% of revenue was in consumables. Today, it's about 70%. So um, I like seeing that number actually increase. And I think that the stability of the business actually increases over time as the amount of of recurring revenue grows as well. 
It's interesting. Well, I never expected a company like that to be so low in debt. <laughs> but yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. That, that means the margins on the consumables are very high, right? Yes. Yes. Oh. So when we're trying to look at this business, the business model is really just they sell machines to all these guys that want to use the machines. And at the same time, they are also the sole provider of all these dispensable stuff, right? right? All the all your reagents, all your glass. That if you want to use my machine, you have to buy these things and you have to use That's it. That's right. And then along the way, there are additional things that they would service you with, you know, whether it's certain tests or certain kind of servicing or whatever you. So it's pretty much this is how we should look at the business. That's right. Okay, so for all of you listening, right, if you don't understand genomics like me, you know, at least this is a clearer structure to how to look at the business in itself. Okay, so what about this company in terms of their management? I know you fancy good management, so I want to kind of hear from you. What about these guys? Yeah, sure. So with management, in terms of like the investment framework that I use, I like to look at the integrity of the management team as well as their ability to innovate and to execute. So in terms of the integrity, I think Illumina scores well in their respect. So if you look at the way that management is compensated, they are compensated mostly based on long-term equity awards. And these equity awards consist of restricted stock units as well as performance stock units. And the performance stock units actually depend on the growth of Illumina's earnings per share. Also, the performance stock units depend on earnings per share and at the same time also vest over three years. And the restricted stock units also take about three to four years to vest. So when we put all that together, we have a management team that is compensated based on the long-term growth of the company's business. And I like to see that kind of compensation structure. And also, when the management team is compensated using uh, equity, I think it helps to align the interests of the management team with shareholders, especially when the basis for the compensation in terms of equity is actually over a long time period. So I like that kind of alignment, uh, that kind of multi-year time frame as well. So that's the integrity portion and we know we can look at the capability as well as the um, ability to innovate. I think this is where Illumina also shines. So as I mentioned earlier, the first machine that the company introduced was in 2007. Uh, and since then, there's been many new types of DNA analysis machines that Illumina has produced. And earlier, I also mentioned that the company has been at the forefront of the entire genomics industry in trying to bring down the cost and the time needed for DNA analysis to be done. So I think this is a really good example itself, the company's ability to innovate because it has been really the one just continuously driving costs down and the time that its customers would require to analyze a single piece of DNA. So I think that alone is a very good example of the company's ability to innovate. I think I've seen one of those machines in those documentaries. You might have. Yeah, so documentaries where they go into the lab and then they try to talk to the person about creating a new like processed food product. And then I'm like, why is there all these weird machines sitting around, right? Trying to like sequence the genome of the chicken, of the ingredients that they're using. It's like, wow, very serious are uh, these guys just to try to, you know, uh, excite your taste buds. They also use that, right? So I think that's interesting. Essentially points to the thesis of what you're saying, right? As things get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, people use it for all yep. sorts of things. Yep. <laughs> so nice, yeah. nice. And I think somewhat related, which I think also so, you know, tangential or, or related to the our discussion on management, I think it, there's this interesting episode in Illumina's history. So earlier I mentioned that Illumina helps to do fetal DNA testing, right? And so what happened was many years ago, when the company was conducting this service, they collected quite a bit of DNA for fetuses as well as their pregnant mums. And they analyzed it and they found something weird in the DNA of these mothers. So one of the lead researchers of this project, you know, kind of suspected that perhaps these mothers may have cancer. 
Right. And so you have to realize that what happened was that they actually just took simple blood samples of these mums and these fetuses, right? And through these blood samples, they realized that something looked weird in this mother's DNA. And what happened was every single person that they flagged out in their study turned out to really have cancer. And that actually formed the basis for the formation of a company called Grail, G-R-A-I-L. And so Grail's main business is to really create this uh, liquid biopsy product where they use a person's blood test to study whether or not a person has certain forms of cancer. So a few years ago, they created Grail and then they spun it off as an independent company so that it would be easier for Grail to uh, attract capital to build the liquid biopsy test that they wanted. Right? And then uh, it turned out to be successful. And I think Grail has recently launched its first commercial product, which is a test called Gallery that's supposed to be able to test for 50 different types of cancers using just a person's blood sample. And this is actually quite a significant breakthrough. And it's important as well for improvement of human health because when a person is able to detect cancer earlier, the chances of survival increases significantly. And I think in the blue sky scenario, could even be used as a routine screening tool on a population-wide basis. And what's also interesting is that I think in uh, late 2020, Illumina decided to reacquire Grail. So Illumina created Grail, spun it out, and now is trying to buy it back because I think it sees the potential that Grail has in terms of like the liquid biopsy market. But this acquisition, I think, is facing quite a bit of objection from regulators mm. both in the UK as well as in the US. And so Illumina's management has very interestingly decided to go ahead and complete the acquisition, even though both I think the US and UK regulators are still conducting their investigation into whether or not this acquisition is anti-competitive. And the reason why they did so was also partly because uh, Illumina's CEO, whose name is Francis de Souza, uh, he believes so strongly in the potential for Grail's product that in terms of help being able to save lives, he is willing to risk the anger of regulators and get this deal done as soon as possible. And why is he so adamant on getting the deal completed? It's also because right now, Grail's product is not covered by insurance, meaning that if you as a consumer want to take the test, you cannot get your health insurance policy to pay for it. Illumina has done a lot of work over the years in terms of working with uh, insurance companies. So it knows the ins and outs of getting you know, uh, DNA testing covered and so on. And so it believes that if it can acquire Grail, it will be able to significantly increase the speed at which Grail can be covered by insurance. And if so, then the uptake of Grail's blood tests can significantly increase. And assuming that Grail's blood tests are accurate, then it can mean a lot more lives that are being saved because of Illumina's efforts. Interesting, yeah. And of course, for a lot of people that don't know, uh, the US has a very complicated insurance ecosystem. Extremely, <laughs> Extremely complicated. Com the UK <laughs> has NHS, it's a lot simpler, but still not, you know, they have to negotiate and all that. But the US is the worst, right? One of the worst in the market, so... Yeah. Oh, sorry. I need to. I need to. Uh, I realized I made a mistake in talking about the regulatory landscape for Grill. So, U.S. regulators are investigating to see if this acquisition by Illumina is anti-competitive. It's actually not the U.K. regulators that are investigating. So, it's the European Union. Oh, okay. Right. So, uh, instead of the U.S. and U.K., <laughs> the UK it's actually already. the U.S. They, and the European <laughs> Union. Yeah, yeah. The U.K. are and they're not in the not the EU anymore. <laughs> but yes, yes. Okay, cool. But but this company is led by a relatively young guy, right? Like Francis de Souza is only 49. Okay, and, and I think it's quite classic in this kind of space where it's very high tech, I would say like very niche kind of tech to not be founder-led, 
uh, because I think most founders will generally be either institution like a university or some scientist or some you know those kind of stuff right so there's a lot of uh, people they like to talk about oh, no founder-led companies and all that jazz uh, but I do observe that especially in genomics especially in high-end manufacturing a lot of these kind of spaces uh, their founders are all geeky very smart people that you know spend their life doing it and a lot of times uh, it is the commercialization process that ends up becoming a business right so um, what, what are your thoughts on who is leading the company and uh, are you concerned about these kind of stuff yeah so as I mentioned Illumina is led by Francis de Souza as the CEO uh, I like him. I think he's a really good CEO for Illumina. So D'Souza joined Illumina as president in 2013 and was promoted to CEO sometime in mid-2016. It was in 2017 when Illumina launched, I think, uh, its current highest-end product, which is the Nova Sig. So the Nova Sig, which is Illumina's highest-end product, which has done pretty well, uh, was actually introduced to the market or commercialized when D'Souza had become the CEO and of course, you know, this current grill acquisition also happened under the watch of Francis de Souza. So I think he has done a really good job as Illumina's leader. And I you know earlier I talked about the compensation structure that Illumina has for the management team. So of course, de Souza is under that compensation structure. So that's great. And I also talked about, you know, like the long-term trajectory and the decline of uh, DNA sequencing costs. Even after de Souza took over as CEO, uh, Illumina has continued to push the efforts to lower the cost of sequencing. So in fact, the introduction of the Novasik uh, is actually the machine that Illumina believes can potentially help Illumina to achieve the $100 uh, genome. So in the genomic space, they often talk about like the $1,000 genome or the $100 genome. So it really just means like the cost needed to sequence a single DNA. So right now, uh, it's slightly below $1,000, uh, but Illumina believes that with the Novasik, it can potentially bring it down to $100 in the near future. Hey, it's nice. And they also set up their own venture arm, right? From what I read here. And That's right. You think that is a good move? I, I think it's pretty interesting because they are essentially in the space where they have all the information, right? Like they're the crux of where information is at. And then whenever they see something interesting, they could always invest in, right? So, so what, what is your take on mm -hmm. them setting up their own ventures uh, no, I think it's a really good move. I think it can potentially be a really good use of capital. Now, I mean, we have to keep in mind that being like the market leader in DNA analysis, the company actually has a very good view of like all the exciting innovation that are going on all over the world in terms of like companies that are participating in uh, DNA analysis, like biotech companies and so on. So I think it has a very good vantage point in terms of like, you know, who is conducting the most exciting work and who is making great progress in like innovating in the space. And because of that, I think um, by having a venture capital arm, it's able to, you know, I think make good use of capital because of its unique position as a key supplier for these types of startups. You know, it's able to really tell which startups are doing well and then Illumina can invest with these startups and potentially reap the rewards of being an early investor. So I think it's a very smart move given the business line that Illumina is in. Definitely. I think for a lot of people that you don't know, Actually, some of the most expensive research in the startup world are all in deep tech. Right? So people pay a lot, a lot of money for like engineering, you know, um, all those kind of deep tech, uh, biotech research. Um, and all those are very hard to come by, good research. And all those are business research, right? So they go and research on all these things and then they tell the angel investors oh, what to look out for, right? But for... <laughs> so so for, for a company that is in the forefront, they have 
superior advantage because they have all the expert people in the space. They know what they're looking out for. They know what works, right? So I think that is something that we cannot underestimate. In an era where people perceive that there's a lot of information around, actually in a lot of these spaces, it's still very hard to come by good information and people that understand the information that is in itself, right? So it's a very small bunch of people. And uh, so, yeah, I, I do think that's quite an interesting move. No, completely agree. Yeah, cool. Okay, so so then, um, with that in mind, overall, I think they're definitely, I mean, you've put it out there, they are the leaders in the space, they're one of the largest around. So, I mean, they have all these modes, you know, just by sheer of its size, right? <laughs> but, you know, what do you want to kind of highlight to us, you know, as retail investors, knowing that this is the company situation, where they are, at, you know, what are some of the modes that we should be very vividly aware, you know, for the company? So I think the, the most important thing to watch with Illumina, I think, would really be its focus in continuing to improve the access, I think, to DNA analysis through the lowering of prices. I think that would really be the most important thing that would determine the company's growth trajectory in the future. Because, again, I think bringing this back to the idea that the cheaper DNA analysis becomes, the more use cases can potentially develop, the more demand there will be for the machines that Illumina produces. And so I think there's a very nice virtuous cycle that develops there. So I think that is the most important thing that I think investors should be keeping their eye on. Now, you mentioned the idea about competitive mode, and I think there are some also important developments to keep an eye on when it comes to Illumina's future growth. And that would actually be competition. So in the world of the DNA analysis, there's really two competing technologies. The first will be short read sequencing, and the other will be long read sequencing. So Illumina excels with short read sequencing. So we have to remember that a DNA sequence actually is like this really long string of bases, right? Your AGCT, right? When Illumina analyzes a single piece of DNA, it actually chops it up into many small pieces and studies these individual pieces, hence short read, because it studies shorter reads, right? Um, and then pieces this information together. So that's short read sequencing. There's an advantage that short read sequencing has over long read, which is that it is more accurate. But the disadvantage is that short read sequencing sometimes loses out on crucial information about a DNA sequence because short read sequencing requires you to break up a DNA sequence study and then piece the information back together. Now, the problem is that when piecing back together, sometimes important informational content is lost. Right? And so this is where long read sequencing is better because you can analyze this super long string of DNA without chopping it up and you can understand uh, everything there is to know about that single piece of DNA that you're trying to analyze. Right? And you know that you won't be missing out any piece of information. But the workhorse of the genomics industry at the moment is short read sequencing, which is what Illumina excels at. Uh, but there are companies that are trying to create commercially viable long read sequencing products. Two important ones would actually be Pacific Biosciences as well as Oxford Nanopore. And interestingly, Illumina had actually tried to acquire Pacific Biosciences in 2018, <laughs> but they failed because regulators actually stepped in and said that, you know, I think if you acquire Pacific Biosciences, yeah, this is an anti-competitive <laughs> move, so they blocked the acquisition. But I think the fact that Illumina wanted to acquire, I think, shows also the importance of long-read sequencing. I'm sure. And there's also, I think, some market participants who believe that short-read sequencing could lose its positioning to long-read sequencing in the near future. And the idea is because most of the information that you can squeeze out of short-read sequencing has already been done. So right now, new information can perhaps only come from long-read sequencing. So there's that kind of a thinking there as well. So there's the potential, I think, perhaps for long-read sequencing to gain prominence in the future. And if so, then Illumina's market position could suffer. 
and so that's I think an important risk actually to, to take a note of. So right now Illumina has a very strong competitive position, but there are developments in the long read DNA sequencing space that is worth keeping an eye on that could potentially change the competitive dynamic for the company. That would be a seismic shift in the space already. That would be like the whole yes. industry is changing. It's like 5G, you know, it's like the, the lithography guys, total new change. Right, so that's a, a whole different discussion altogether. But yeah, I think that's fair, mm -hmm. la, right? I mean, you can study the flower petal, you can study the leaf, but when you put everything together, it's a flower. It's different, right? So you want to look at the flower in a different angle. Huh? So at least that's how I look at it. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, you can study everything in pieces, but when you put them together, you know, they have a whole different experience, right? So I think that's generally the idea, okay? For for someone that don't know DNA, you know, very far out of this thing, you know, never take bio, I, I took physics. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's good, good stuff. So is there um, any other thing that you think we should know um, in closing for the company? Like, I know you've specifically talked about the likelihood of this like big change in the space. Um, yeah, in closing, do we have any other things that we should be very aware of as an investor? Risk, valuation, those kind of stuff. Yeah, so in terms of the valuation, that's definitely one of the risks I think that's involved with Illumina. So at today's prices, Illumina is trading at about 60 times trailing free cash flow. And we have to note that Illumina's free cash flow margins are not depressed at the moment. So this 60 times free cash flow is actually based off like a normal kind of free cash flow margin that Illumina is able to produce. So that is a high valuation. So I think that's one risk to take note of. Uh, I think the other would really be the chance that new use cases fail to materialize. Right. As I said earlier in this discussion, that there's a leap of faith involved with investing in a company like Illumina, where you have to believe that commercially important use cases for DNA analysis could happen because prices for DNA analysis now become so much cheaper. Now, but there's also a chance that these new use cases may not be able to develop. If it doesn't, then the overall market opportunity for Illumina would be a lot lower. If you have a situation where uh, new markets do not develop and coupled with a high valuation, there can be significant <laughs> negative... The market will punish you. The market yeah, will yeah, punish exactly. You. The, the, yeah, the market will punish you. <laughs> Nice, yeah, cool stuff. I think for all of you that are trying to look at this company, definitely yeah, at least go and like learn about genomics, learn about DNA. There are a lot of very good videos out there today to give you a very base idea of what's going on, you know, before trying to understand the company and the business as a whole. Right, so yeah, thanks for um, coming in today together with me, you know, on this uh, beautiful Wednesday before I fly. Yeah, so I'll be flying very soon and yeah, thank you, man. Is there any last things you want to say? Uh, no, I'm... I think, uh, yeah, I just want to thank people for listening and uh, thank you again, Reggie, for having me. Oh, it's been fun. Uh, we're doing this a lot, right? So we're going to do more of this and uh, thank you all for supporting the podcast and if you want to read the full report, you should check out compounderfund.com, right? That's where Searching publishes his report and all the kind of investment theses that he has for all of you, right? So free to the public, uh, this, is, this is what he stands by. So please go and check it out and yeah, for anything else, let's continue to chug along and create great content. See you guys. Take care. Thank you. Hey Coconut, so I hope you learned something useful today and definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We're not giving you any recommendations here, but I'm always happy to geek out with you about different interesting companies and trends for the future. This series has a lot more depth and terms, so if you have any questions for us, do join our community telegram group or DM us on our socials. Link is in the description.
If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. And to stay tuned with what is happening in the markets and in the TFC network, do sign up for our weekly newsletter at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, I hope you have a great day ahead and may you improve to become a confident, insightful and disciplined investor, ultimately creating the life you love while managing your finances well. See ya next week.